Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. Welcome to our room called Meet and Greet, Food TV Giants and their TV star, Chef Alums. This room is hosted by Food is Religion Club. Please tap on the greenhouse above to follow the club so you won't miss out on more great conversations like this. As I'm setting the room, I encourage all of you moderators and the audience to ping in 5, 10, 20 followers into the room so more people can benefit from this epic conversation. We're turning off the hand raising right now. Um, Chef Rahan, would you do um, me a favor and turn off the hand raising? Uh, we're doing it now until after we've gone through the introductions of the panelists and a bit of their shares. So we'll turn it back on to invite you on stage for our uh, Q&A session later. But for now, just sit back and enjoy the show. The room is being recorded by Best Served Podcast, which reminds me that I need to um, ooh, ping in Chef Jensen. Okay, good. Um, is he here? Let me see. Okay, well, he's not here yet, but um, he's the one that's going to be recording this show. Um, so thank you to Chef uh, Jensen. And details of the air date and the time can be found on Chef Jensen's profile. So I will inform you all later where he is so you can follow him and uh, check out his bio to see details of when the show is going to be aired. We also want to thank you and remind you that this app is all about the connections that we make. So feel free to also follow all of the moderators and check out your neighbor's bios to see who resonate with you to follow them and make your connections. This room will last about two hours. Please tap on the plus icon at the lower right corner to invite more people in to join the conversation. I'm Chef Mimi Lan and I'm done setting the room. And now let me pass the mic to each of the TV executives to briefly introduce themselves. Hayden, why don't you go first? Well, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Hayden. I've been producing and directing uh, television for a little bit over 20 years now, 15 of which have been in the food space and uh, have done everything. I've done 10 years with the Gordon Ramsay train with Janelle and Sheila and Matt, we've all worked with Gordon at some point. And then I spent the last five years with Andrew Zimmern doing his show, where um, I had the fortune of meeting Sarah and Caitlin, um, who are also on the panel, and uh, working with Justin and Matt on Fresh, Fried, and Crispy, which is a new Netflix show, where we met Chef Rocco, who's also on here, and uh, Lauren Avery. So anyway, that's me, and I'll pass it to whoever's next. So start with Lauren. Oh, hi. Yeah, so I am in the UK and I lived in LA and I worked with Hayden, Matt, Janelle, Sheila, uh, and I worked with Gordon Ramsay for about eight years doing MasterChef, House Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares, came back to the UK and I worked at Jamie Oliver's company uh, and I did lots of shows for him 
uh, indirectly and back in the US, even though I've gone back to the UK. And uh, being back in the UK, I've just I've done lots of other food shows that many of you might not have heard of because there's lots of Americans here. That's me. I'm done speaking. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Uh, Justin, he's live on set right now, but joining us in. Justin. I am. I'm live on set right now. Uh, I'm a producer and director, and I'm working right now on Food Paradise. And this is probably, I think, the fifth year I've come on and off this show. Every time it comes back, I find they find more work for me. But I've done hundreds and hundreds of chefs and restaurants for this show. I also worked with Chef Ann Burrell on uh, Chef Wanted with Ann Burrell for a while and did uh, Fat Chef and a few other food shows, as well as a ton of other reality, including stuff at the NFL and all sorts of fun, fun things. And I've known Hoban for years and years and years, but the last food show we did together, Fresh Fried and Crispy, was the first time that we got to work together. And uh, I hate to blow up his ego a little bit, but it was amazing. And that's also where I met Hayden and a lot of these fine folks. And that experience was incredible. And you guys have to check it out on June 9th because it's going to be through the freaking roof. That's it. Thanks. That's got to go in the diary. And we're off to Matthew Hoban. Hi, guys. Matt Hoban here. Uh, as my very kind friends have said, I am also an executive producer who primarily has been working in the food space for the last 10 years. Uh, worked with a bunch of these very talented people, Hell's Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares. Uh, I did a little more than four years and 86 episodes of Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmern, which was one of the best experiences of my life. And as everybody has said, uh, we can finally not make it a secret anymore for anyone who has been in the last two clubs, our new Netflix show that we shot during the height of COVID last year, which was Certainly a little terrifying. Uh, Fresh, Fried, and Crispy comes out June 9th. It's with an amazing host named Dame Drops, who if you have not seen him on YouTube, you've probably seen him on every fast food commercial in the world. And we just shot a really cool, visual, fun, crazy show that looks better than anything that I've ever made before. So please tune in, check it out. June 9th on Netflix, Fresh, Fried, and Crispy. I'm Matt Hoban. That's my time. Hey, Hoban, guess who's here with me? Gabe's here. He's got to say hi. Hey, Daddy. Oh hey, Daddy. I miss you. How come you don't call Mommy anymore? Why don't because you love you, me? You spent nine weeks shoving a cotton swab up my nose three days a week. But you spent years doing stuff to... Oh, you're breaking up. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was our COVID guy that was with us on Fresh Fried and Crispy, and he literally kept us alive. When you're getting spoon-fed uh, cotton buds... Happy days. <laughs> Thank you, Gabe. Thank you for your contribution. Janelle, the wonderful Janelle. Hello. Um, so, yeah, I, um, like everyone has said, I've worked with um, this rowdy bunch uh, off and on through the years. Um, I have um, bounced around a little bit between both casting and um, producing. Um, and uh yeah i i think since we had our last room um i've had um chopped 420 was released um that i did on discovery plus chop next gen was just released and um the great food truck race um, which i did is about to um premiere their new season on sunday so um it's always something and i um yeah that's all i got thanks guys for having me again Always an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Janelle. We're here tonight. We've got the TV producers, the TV execs here, but we've also got um, these 
stars of the shows. These are the shows that have been created by, by these producers, and these are the stars from them as well. What's going to be great to hear is is the stories that line all of these um, producers up with with these stars. So, um, I mean, Hayden, let me bring you in here for a second. And where is it that TV producers and and these stars get aligned, and how is it that these particular people that you've worked with have really come into um, their own as as you've cast them. Uh, I think that happens. What is that magical touch that comes together um, that maybe they can take on in, into their future? Well, um, before I answer that, I want to throw, throw a shout out to Sheila, who's also on the panel, because a lot of the people that we've met for the first time came through Sheila and her company. So Sheila, give us a quick 30 second intro of who you are, and then I will go into the people that we've met so far. Or not, hello? Anybody copy that? Hang on. Okay, there we go. I always forget where that microphone is. Um, hi, everyone. So my name is Sheila Conlon, and I started the Conlon Company, my God, 30 years ago. So it was the very, very beginning of reality TV. And one of the, the, the first food show besides, I think, was Emerald's show on was the big one was Hell's Kitchen. So I started with Gordon Ramsay and Lauren. Oh, my gosh. And just everybody. It was a great team. We started that a long, long time ago. And then we moved into Kitchen Nightmares. I also did Hotel Hell. I worked with Bobby Flay, um, Ann Burrell. Um, I've done a couple other cooking shows on the Food Network, which I'm trying to remember the names. But I can't remember. There's so many. Um, but, yeah, from the beginning, um, you know, how we connected. I mean, the, the the show, Hell's Kitchen, we had the pleasure of someone like Gordon Ramsay coming on board as the host and, and you know, that, that, that it's centered around. And I really think he, you know, sort of set the pace for amazing cooking competition shows. Um, so we were, you know, happy to be introduced to him and work with him. And then, you know, Bobby Flay was coming up in the ranks. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I think we had to find these amazing chefs that would also work well on television. So I think that was a key ingredient, no pun intended. And then through all these shows, it was now discovering who are the next stars, who are the next chefs, who are the great, you know, the great ones to either wrap a show around or put them on as a host. Um, I'm I'm related to Gail Simmons, um, who's on, oh my God, she's on Top Chef, keep forgetting. Um, but, you know, people like her and, you know, all the judges, you know, it's really, we are immersed in it, right? Hayden, Janelle, Lauren, we've all been immersed in it. And I think we sort of just lived and breathed Who's the hottest new chef? Who's got the next great restaurant? Who's an up and coming? And I think that was part of the the fun of it that we could also help discover new people. And I, to, to Sheila's point, but the interesting thing is, is I think TV has moved a little bit away from that to the people that are actually regular Joes making uh, making YouTube content, make, doing blogs, like uh, finding people that are just interested in, in becoming masters of what they're doing on their own and then we find them and a perfect example uh sarah caitlin like we just did the show uh family dinner with you guys um and you can why don't you tell us how we uh, introduce yourselves who you are how we found you and um how that sort of set up what you know 
the answer to the question of who's making TV. Sure. Hey, guys. Um, so I'm Sarah, and I'm here with my sister, Caitlin. Um, and like Hayden said, we're not restaurant chefs, but we actually run um, a family food blog called The Walks of Life um, with a focus on Chinese cuisine primarily. Um, and we started the blog with our family or our parents um, eight years ago. So it's my sister, myself, and my mom and dad. Um, and it was really, it started as a mission to sort of document family recipes um, for my sister and I, uh, the dishes that my parents uh, made when we were growing up. Um, and since then, we've grown quite a bit. We're now at about 7 million monthly page views a month. Um, and yeah, like, like Hayden said, uh, we never really thought about um, a TV appearance. Um, but, uh, my sister actually saw a casting call for a show called family dinner. And because, um, we're, you know, we're a family oriented blog, um, and, and the way the show was described, it sounded like it might be a good fit for us. Um, and I can pass it on to Caitlin, uh, to talk a little bit about the experience of, um, of casting and, and that process. Yeah. Hey, everyone. This is Caitlin. And just to know where I stand in the family hierarchy, I'm the younger sister. So uh, Sarah's the oldest and then my two parents. But yeah, I mean, you know, to Hayden's point about like regular Joe's kind of being like this next on this next phase of like food TV, I think that really resonates with us because, you know, we I basically just saw the casting call, I, I think on Instagram or on Facebook or something. And you know, I, I kind of, I think we've always made a point to, you know, when we started this food blog, we definitely, even though it was for us, we definitely wanted to have a unique take. And I think that the family perspective was so unique. So seeing the casting call for family dinners was just like, it felt like this perfect fit. And I think that, you know, it's a credit to the show and you know what it's all about that it, it really is about spotlighting normal families and um you know i think just letting in the the little application that we filled out just like letting our family stories and the things that are true to us shine through is what you know really ended up making the stars align rahan as you said um so that we could you know have this experience of being on the show but you know i i think like sarah said we never really set out with that intention or, or thought that it would be something that was even really feasible. I think a lot of it was just like us kind of like hustling over the years, like, you know, starting small and being like really dinky for lack of a better term. Um, and just kind of like, yeah, like growing, growing our audience and honing our craft and kind of becoming more expert, even than we thought that we would ever be at this, you know? Um, so yeah, I'll just pause there. But I don't know, Hayden, if you wanted to jump in. No, go ahead. And why don't uh, to and then to throw to why don't we throw to Justin? Justin, why don't you just talk about like Rocco and the people that you've worked with that you've brought onto the show? He's probably still on the set. <laughs> Ro Sorry, was that for me? Yeah, that's for you, Justin. Why don't you talk about the fact that you've worked with Rocco a million times, introduced Rocco, and how you see things going? Uh, look, here's the thing. Rocco and I started our food journey together um, a long time ago. We did a show that was a weight loss show, but it was my introduction, really, to doing food on TV. Yeah, I know. Do it again. It's, it's loud here because we're actually filming. <laughs> um, 
But it was an amazing experience and Rocco taught me so much about the way that food should look on TV and the, and the way that things happen and we kind of built ourselves together in food television. And then Rocco went on to do Chopped and you know his restaurant was on Food Paradise and you know and then I immediately thought of him when we switched plans last minute to go to Cleveland for food uh, for Fresh Fried and Crispy. And the thing that I wanted Rocco to address there was a reason why he got cast on Fresh Fried and Crispy. And part of it was because of his willingness to work with the TV production on what the dishes were gonna be. Because our TV shows have very specific needs sometimes, and as implied by the name, Fresh Fried and Crispy is a show about fried food. So Rocco, as a chef, not only is he already good on TV, but he was willing to talk to us about the dishes or possibly create a special or to work with the food and then he went and workshop stuff and came up with great ideas and he enhanced the production for his segment by doing that and I think that's a very important part of how chefs need to be you know malleable and and moldable to the situation when you want to be on TV with your food and it's got to look great and I think chef uh, Rocco is one of the perfect chefs that can speak to that experience and what it's like to be on competition TV and you know story driven stuff about your life as well because i mean the guy put his life totally on the line for me on that weight loss show and then lost 100 pounds to boot so chef rocco tell us a little bit about you know what you've done to get on these shows and how you've worked with the productions especially with the culinary aspects of the actual food that you're presenting on the shows justin thanks so much hey everybody um my name is rocco whalen i am um a fabric of my communities. I have restaurants in Cleveland, Ohio, in Charlotte, North Carolina, seven total on rooftops in museums, uh, street level, food trucks in each city. Um, Justin, I'm so flattered uh, by your intro. Um, as far as Justin and I are concerned, the first time I met him, he made me get on a scale with my shirt off at about 340 pounds, looking for a lifeline to direct my food, uh, emotional eating, as well as lose weight for a competitive style of guy from Cleveland, guy from Chicago, girl from Cleveland, girl from New York. So with that being said, uh, I've also had an opportunity to be on Chopped, Cutthroat Kitchen, Food Paradise, uh, road tested on the Travel Channel, as well as uh, most uh, recently, uh, Fresh Fried and Crispy. And I got to tell you, I'm very excited to see the outcome because I had a blast for the three days I was on set with uh, Mr. Hoban, Hoban, Hobie One Kenobi. Uh, at the time it was Sir as I filmed and just met him, but now it's, you learn so much more about people uh, behind the lens, in front of the lens and what they're doing and how they command their team. And Justin and Hoban both showed me just a new way during a pandemic to how to navigate through it, get swabbed every day. Gabe, thanks, you're on set with Justin. Uh, but also um, be very be very uh, transparent. Ideas gotta come fast. We gotta be safe about it. And then as Justin said, you gotta be able to ideate right away on the fly. If something isn't giving you that camera look that Hoban was looking for, you had to reroute it quickly uh, because time's of the essence and there's a lot of people involved and uh, you're under a bubble. Um, the thing about the show is I'm excited about it. Tune in on the 9th of June. Uh, it's on Netflix, so you can watch it over and over and over and set your calendar and ping your friends. And I'm looking forward to Netflix, Netflix food. But also, as Justin <clears throat> lent to, you have to be super flexible. 
You've got to make sure that all the camera guys have been fed properly before, during, and after shoots. Uh, I want to put a freshman 15 on every person on set just based on... Yes, sir. <laughs> making uh, everybody... make like they. I put it on them, they take it off me behind the lens, especially since Justin uh, and I did some crazy stuff in 2011 uh, to, to lose a bunch of weight unhealthy in about 16 weeks. Um, and I'll step forward real quick and just say this. I'm looking forward to the next wave of food-related shows post-pandemic or pandemic restrictions eased because everybody's been tuned in so much, whether it's Hulu or Netflix or Discovery Plus or, you know, everybody that has, uh, has tuned in uh, tonight and just the different um, platforms. It's not just social. It's not just Instagram and and Vice and, and, and Twitter, it's all of them, but it's just nice to hear from everybody and talk about, you know, what it takes. Um, besides feeding the staff, you know, do what you're told, uh, pique everybody's interests, make good TV and make it, you know, so that we can do another show and get one more in the can and a third and a fourth and a fifth and go from there. Um, I'll stop there and just kind of let everybody know I love food, I love life, and happily married to a beautiful girl without her i couldn't do any of this stuff yeah and it's uh hoban here if i could just chime in to talk about how sometimes the stars do just align you know as justin alluded earlier cleveland was not supposed to be one of our eight episodes and we had already hit the road we were shooting the show um you know we were rigorously tracking different points and places where COVID outbreaks were happening and i specifically remember meeting rocco we were in a parking lot in some little town justin and i were driving i believe from denver to st louis or st louis to birmingham wherever we were going and he put rocco on speakerphone and within five minutes of talking to him and just being like you know this is who we are this is what we're doing we might be coming to cleveland and I think within like an hour, he was texting us photos of crazy, awesome, delicious fried goodness that he was just coming up with off the top of his head. And like, I, I, he didn't even really like, I trust Justin. He's one of my best producers. He vouched for the guy. Five minutes later, we're like, all right, we're going to Cleveland because I need to, this is happening. And, you know, credit to you, Rocco. That episode is one of the best ones of the season. You absolutely kicked ass for us. You made some amazing looking food that was absolutely delicious. And thank you for making three times as much of it so I could have it off camera because I'm fat too. Uh, and yeah, sometimes it's casting. Sometimes the stars align. But when it works, it works. Matt out. And Rocco also helped us out getting access to places in Cleveland too. I mean, that's his city. So if you're a chef and you've got access and you've got other chefs that you know and other things that are gonna be helpful to production, Rocco offered up a lot of that stuff to us as well and got us into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to do a shoot there and got us you know, some connections with other people in town and suggestions for the rest of the episode very selflessly. And a lot of other chefs did that as well. And those are the people that we're gonna remember and they're gonna be friends of production forever because of stuff like that. Fantastic. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of information that's been shared there, and I've got a few notes in here. But I'm just conscious that Leanne's got some uh, uh, real short time left here, and Bradley is going to uh, kindly ask the question for today, if that's okay. If we can hand over to Bradley for a second, and then I'll come right back to you, Rocco. Bradley, mic off, maybe. 
Hey, there Leanne. Leanne, I don't know if you remember me, but um, we worked together on the original Long Way to Cook for Top Chef back in the day. So um, uh, that was the very first before Last Chance Kitchen and stuff like that. I was the producer shooter on that. And I just wanted you to outline, you know, if you could, your moments here you know, of, of how you you know, grew to be such, have such a relationship with, uh, with Top Chef and, and how, because you were behind the scenes and then you were in front again and now you have your own restaurant and stuff like that. Can you describe that journey and, and how, how, how that and, and it started, you know, I think in season two, so. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Sorry. I am literally uh, in the middle of lunch service, so uh, I'll make this brief. Yeah, I was cast on the first season of Top Chef, um, and that was right around the time that Hell's Kitchen was coming out. And so there really hadn't been um, a competition culinary show that um, was out in the field, really. So um, it was a new type of production that was both studio and out in the field. And um, we started with you know, almost no budget. I remember when I was cast for the show, um, the casting director, Randy Bernstein, was like, yeah, Bravo's going to do this new show. Um, they're thinking about calling it Top Chef. And I was like, that's a really dumb name. Like, because at the time, like, the two words didn't sound right together. It's just like, Top Chef, Top Chef, what do you mean? Um, so I was, uh, so we were cast, and we were kind of like the guinea pigs for that. And by the time... The finale rolled around. We shot in November of, I think, 2005. And then finale rolled around in Vegas, I think, in March of 2006. And uh, the show had already been on air for a little while. And so uh, it was interesting, I think, when we were, like, walking around Mandalay Bay. I think it was me and a couple other castmates. And people were, like, yelling our names and being like, we love your show. And, and that was, you know, that was that was something. Because we used to joke about how, oh, they're going to. The show's going to become so popular. We'll take trips to Europe and we'll have Evian as a sponsor. And like, and sure enough, all these things happened. So, um, so that was a lot of fun. And then season two came around. And um, at the time, I was uh, the executive chef at the French Culinary Institute. And I was producing uh, events and all the continuing ed special events. Um, and so they had contacted me. Magical Elves had reached out to see if I could come consult on the regular season. Um, and they ended up giving me the, uh, supervising culinary producer job for the finale, which was out here in Hawaii. Um, it was my first trip to Hawaii as an adult. And now I live here. Um, and so it's been a journey since then. I produced, um, six seasons of the show, including the first Top Chef Masters. Um, the pantry that you guys see now on the show is was built by me for the most part in terms of having all the tech stuff and all the all the fancy liquid nitrogen and all that. And um, yeah, it's very interesting to uh, have worked behind the scenes for about five years and then take like a nine, eight year break, eight, nine year break, and then come back on the show as a contestant. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Hello. Thank you, Lee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, Leanne. I don't know. And, and you also, you know, were, were uh, the, you know, on, on the long way to cook, you were one of the original webisodes. So yeah, I forget that. that. <laughs> I, I like almost forgot about those. Those were so long ago. And, you know, I yeah. think it's, 
what's really interesting was um, just being able to do both, being both a contestant and then being able to, uh, you know, spend years working behind the scenes, uh, which in turn opened up uh, another whole set of uh, career choices for me as both a culinary producer and a food stylist. Um, so I have produced uh, several other productions, uh, Rocco's Dinner Parties and a couple other things for Food and Wine Magazine. And um, yeah, I think at one point I just decided, you know, after we won the Emmy for season six, uh, Las Vegas, I was like, you know, I, I, I really want to focus on getting back in front of the camera. Um, and so I ended up doing work with uh, Irene Wong um, from IW Productions and I shot six seasons of unique eats and uh, have been doing a lot of work with um, was doing a lot of work with cooking channel and food network for a little while. Um, and that was a lot of fun and um, to, to be part of that and also do, you know, again, I think the chefs and the talent that do these shows have so much that they can contribute. And so um, I was very involved with unique eats and, and choosing, helping the production to choose what restaurants we were going to focus on. And um yeah, I mean, that was a lot of fun. I think at one point, I remember back in, maybe like in college, back in like 1995, I would be in my apartment in Brooklyn and we'd be watching Dining Out with uh, uh, Alan and Nina. Um, and I just remember what a cool job it is to just like go around and eat and just talk about it on TV, you know? And years later to, to really have that opportunity was just so incredible and, um, you know, everyone's like, you should do more unique eats. And uh, I, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. When, you know, I think what's interesting now is that where you see some of the programming going, there's like a lot of competition shows now. So it's not so much kind of dump and stir shows anymore. It's definitely more competition driven. I think that's what the audience is clamoring for. So um, I, I, I don't know. Producers can tell they would know more about this, but um, it's, you know, there's so much happening and I think it's been such a crazy year for everybody. And I know, you know, the past year and a half, I've been opening a brand new restaurant in the middle of a pandemic while trying to keep my other one open. And it's just been, um, you know, we're finally kind of coming out of it and, you know, we're just, I'm just getting worked every day. So I don't really have time for TV and all that anymore, but um, I, you know, I'm hopeful that once things kind of get back to normal and the restaurant industry gets back on its feet, that we'll see another renaissance with um, what we're doing. But Leanne, it sounds like you're in a position where you can, you know, flip flop because you've got the experience that if you woke up one day and you're like, I want to go do it, you could you could navigate your way back in. If that makes oh, absolutely. sense. I, I enjoyed I, I have to say I enjoyed production. Uh, immensely. Uh, it was really hard work at the time because we had a very small budget, so I didn't have, that you know, I, I, like, let's just say the culinary department, <laughs> the culinary department on Top Chef now is like 20 people deep. And I think, yeah. you know, for many seasons, it was like me and two assistants and a bunch of PAs and that was it. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's a, it's amazing to watch, I think for me, especially with Top Chef, to be there at the beginning and just to see how, how much it has evolved and, you know, what a machine it is. And still uh, interesting to see some of the, you know, with reality TV, it's reality. So there's always something unexpected that happens, you know, like my mom passing out on TV. Like, so there's always, you know, that that's the, the gist of reality TV is like, you always have to be prepared for the unexpected. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I love it. I, I think what I really loved about production was, 
really working, learning how to work with a hundred other people, uh, coordinate for one vision, uh, which was the finished product, you know? And it's like, as you guys know, you take, you know, three days worth of footage and you edit it down to 45 minutes. Um, so there's, there's a lot of work that goes into the minutes that end up on TV. And I think that's, you know, what people need to understand too. <laughs> chef Leanne, uh, chef Mimi speaking. I just want to let you know, you're doing a great job and, even though um, you don't have the party hat on, but this is your first time speaking on the app, right? Because like yeah. <laughs> today, we're literally just like walk walking through the steps of how to get in the room, and um, you know, invited her into the app a few, uh, you know, maybe a few weeks ago. But um, she actually just didn't really do anything with the app until today, uh, and so are some of the TV stars here, like Sarah and Caitlin and. And Rocco, thank you so much for joining the app just to be in this room. And I also want to say hello to uh, Genevieve, uh, Chef uh, Kima here, Jean, and Simon um, for coming to the room. And all of you here, uh, if you can just help us populate the room so other people won't miss out on this uh, incredible conversation. Uh, also, I want to acknowledge that Chef uh, Jensen Cummings is here. I didn't see him in the audience before, but he is taping the show right now. And if you tap on his uh, profile, uh, he is the second row. If you tap on his profile, you'll see when and, and how to, uh, you know, get a copy of the show that's going to be air on Best of Podcast. Thank you. Back to you, Chef Rahan. Thank you very much. Um, I guess what I'm getting from from a lot of the the content that we're we're listening to at the moment is there seems to be a lot of um, rerouting, having to think on your feet. And I think from a from a TV stars or a personality, it's very it's, it's such a different scenario. Uh, you may be used to working in, in a in a kitchen. You may be used to working at a, a faster pace. Um, but then actually the TV sessions are maybe a little bit more start-stop, or are they? And I think it was interesting to hear um, from what uh, Rocco was saying about how um, you have to really just go with the flow. You have to be able to be able to, to somewhat counterpunch the things that are coming at you and be able to actually just deal with it in a way that is, is good for television. And I guess the directors and the TV producers job is to make sure they get that out of somebody. So my question would be is how much compromise is there in this? Uh, how much of the TV stars had to deal with compromising on their food and how much of the, the TV directors and producers had to make any compromise along the way? If Hoban, you've had to switch um, and develop an extra episode like you did in Cleveland from what I got from what you're saying. Um, I guess there, there is some form of compromise that exists within this. And for those that are expecting a real easy ride coming into television, maybe that's something that they need to know about. Uh, open to anyone. Or Rocco, considering it. I was talking I about would, uh, yeah. Um, so two different formats too. You know, you need to be very... Um transparent with what you have what you can offer but also what you can deliver you know they don't want just a story they want several and in this day and age i think it includes a lot of diversity a lot of um male female companionship in the kitchen um as well as you know ethnicity 
Um, and then another format would be, you know, just like a, a chapter, a cutthroat, you know, it's like you go to Burbank and you, they fly you in and you film for 15 hours, then you sleep and then you come back and do the edits and the, the you know, the talking points for another eight hours and then they ship you out on your way and maybe you get an in and out, maybe you don't, but regardless, thank you very much and move on through. Whereas, you know, the Netflix stuff, um, especially with Hoban and Justin was eye-opening in the sense of how many people they had, how many years of knowledge they brought to the to the table with the crew they had, you know, guys that have been behind the camera and a grip for 35 years, 30 years, looking at, you know, not just talent behind the, you know, the movie camera, but also in photography and things of that nature. So, uh, again, I splashed on them what they asked for in Cleveland and would do the same in Charlotte just to make sure that the beneficial part for me also is the cities and the cities that I, you know, I'm a neighbor in and the farmer's hands that I shake and the money back in the community and the post pandemic lifestyle and how we're going to kick ass, take names and just continue to do it because that's the moral of the story. And, uh, as Leanne said, and hi Leanne, love you girl. We, um, uh, you know, we got to get through and we are the authors of the normal. It's not new. It's just the normal. So I'll leave it there for everybody. Hi, Rocco. <laughs> hey, babe. I have been in forever. I'm so glad it's on a clubhouse meeting, you know? I know. Uh, I mean, one <laughs> service in Hawaii. I mean, yeah, you know, smooches. That's just what I'll say. Mute on. It's busy. Y'all should have your clubhouse out here. It's very nice. <laughs> hey, this is Caitlin. I'll just jump in on that question, too. Like, I think being, like, so new to TV, like, the compromise thing was, like, for us at least it was very much like yeah like that importance of just like going with the flow and it's I would say like Hayden and his team was like really great about like telling our story in a way that we felt was true to us but also like you know we had to work in a different way than what we're used to and like per, you know speak and you know kind of follow the flow of the day over the course of like the three days that we of shooting that we did to just make sure that we were kind of crafting that cohesive narrative. And I think, um, you know, it, that was just kind of like an interesting experience to kind of be more on the fly with that in some ways and like distill the core parts of our family and who we are and what we do and what we stand for in a way that was like digestible to, that would be digestible to the audience in like a, a 20 something minute, um, episode um but i think like rocco kind of touched on this a little bit of like the flip side of the compromises for like making sure that the the plot or the characters of the show shine through and that everything's kind of copacetic on that front is like also like the importance of representation and i feel like you know from coming from that like strong ethnic perspective like i think we take our role seriously on that front in particular with the walks of life and I think that it was really appreciated that, you know, it was the narrative was like very much like jointly crafted and, you know, arguably like we had a strong say in kind of like what like the arc of the episode was within like the framework that was set forth by like Hayden and, um, you know, Andrew Zimmer and also in terms of like what was the, the story that we wanted to tell and like what were the points that wanted to be like taken away for the audience. So you know, I think it's kind of like compromise for the sake of like getting an amazing show out there. But also like, I think it was like, a, we had a really great first experience in it and that like everybody was really like on the same page and making sure that, um, 
you know, the, the truth that we wanted to share with the world was what was conveyed. Well, to Caitlin, to your point, I think, we, I mean, we just tried to provide a platform for your story to be told. I don't, was there yeah. anything that we asked you to do that was something that you weren't comfortable with? No, no, no. I think it was more just like, you know, I think for us, we kind of like as a family, like wanted to make sure like even like we were as like comfortable and relaxed as possible so that like we kind of knew what like the four of us, like me, my parents, my sister wanted to say and like kind of how we wanted to bring that forward without like, you know, stumbling on each other or something like that. But yeah, I totally agree. Like, I think it was an incredible platform and like watching the other episodes with other families too. Like, I think it was exactly the same. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just, if anything, the, the compromise uh, aspect of it was, I would say more on like, just like rolling with some of like the, like, it's not even compromise. It was just like some of the ad hoc things where it's like, Oh, like, could you say that again? Or like, like we want to get like this, this shot from this angle or like, as you're saying that, like it was just kind of those things and making, you know, I think it was great to see how attentive the whole crew was to, you know, making sure that that felt like natural and that you guys were really capturing like the moments that were happening, but that they were just being captured to like the best in the best way that they could be. Yeah, yeah, how many cameras did okay, you have? Because I think I was going to say, Hayden, you know, the thing is, in TV and food TV, everything just takes longer. Everything just takes longer. <laughs> like, and you have to slow people down to capture it. Otherwise, there's like, there's, a, there's an amazing moment. And what, what, as a producer, we might see is like this nugget that you want to share. Actually, we, that's when we stop you, whereas you might gloss over it. And so that's where that partnership happens from our side working at what we need and you guys sharing your information. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, um, I don't remember how many um, cameras there were. Like, Hayden can probably answer that better. Yeah, I'll answer that real quick. We had uh, two two main cameras, an A and a B, and then a third C camera, which was holding a wide on a Movi uh, that was just keeping the wide. So we have three cameras, but two uh, A and B are our main. Got it, cool, yeah. And I just wanted to jump in and say that I mean, I, what we ended up doing or the format that we we um, of the the two days of shooting was we had like our first day shooting with Andrew, um, where the focus was much more on sort of the rapport between family members and between us and Andrew as the host. Um, and then the next day we had like a B-roll day where the focus was all on the food and we cooked the entire meal again. Um, but we could kind of concentrate more on getting those shots of the food and making sure that the food looked really good. Um, I remember that we, we all like stood over like a plate of dumplings and like repeatedly like dipped it into sauce to make sure that it looked great. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, just to, to Hayden's point about, um, the, the crew really, um, sort of taking care of us. Like I, even after the show, um, or the, the shooting wrapped, we, um, I was in communication with, um, you know, Mary Kay, the, one of the producers, um, and then also, um, the writer on the show, um, who, you know, was reaching out about like to clarify certain questions that were, or that we answered during the interview portion, um, to ask for family photos, to kind of like ask for additional details to share, um, in Andrew's voiceovers later. Um, and I thought that that was like really, like really awesome that um, just the care that was kind of put into that um, to make sure that um, like 
you know, we like that our story was being told um, in like a really accurate and authentic way, which was really, I mean, like my sister said, just like the, the ideal first TV experience for us. So um, Sarah, thanks for sharing it. I, I guess from, from what you've just said as well, there's kind of an academic philosophical science element as heritage and all of that is being repackaged into entertainment. So it's like Lauren, uh, I think said earlier is um, when you're looking at these uh, types of things as a producer for that little nugget, um, a lot of it can be glazed over as maybe you are more in, in tune with creating what you're used to, but actually lining up the story or the narrative to, to play out in a visual is something that only the directors and the producers can, can really see. So is there a little nugget out there? Um, let's, go, let's go to Janelle next. Janelle, um, you've worked uh, and you're going to be introducing Vivian next. Um, maybe there were some nuggets in there that maybe um, you'll be able to uh, pick up on as well. Yeah, I just, um, I am um, curious a little bit, um, Vivian, about your experience on the other side. Um, and just kind of to, to set it all up, I met Vivian um, a couple of years ago. We were doing um, an open casting call for MasterChef, um, which in the casting process is hands down one of my favorite parts, is literally traveling city to city, seeing, you know, rooms of hundreds of people and trying to get as much information about who they are as a person within like three minutes before scheduling them for an actual on-camera interview. Um, and that's um, exactly the setting where I met Vivian in, I believe, um, Minneapolis. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and ended up you know, making it um, onto the that first round of the show there. So, you know, I, I mean, I could talk all day about my experience on, on my end of it, but I'm curious for you as somebody coming up and going through that process and getting onto the show, like what was that like for you? And were there any um, unexpected surprises that you ran into along the way? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Vivian. Uh, I'm, a, I'm glad to see here, a friend, here, walk of life, cook Chinese. But I cook a lot of Chinese food. I moved here from China, just cook Chinese food. <laughs> and uh, um, so after Master, uh, Master Chef experience for me, a uh, surprising part was, I think, uh, actually cooking the Master Chef kitchen. That's very intense. And uh, probably 20 cameras point to me. And I have to finish a dish in 45 minutes. It's different from when I film my own videos at home. Mostly I have the two cameras. Uh, also, there are uh, people talking to me during a cooking or producers. I think that experience is really different from as unexpected what I uh, imagined in my head because like just cooking at home, filming videos, more relaxed. It's really more intense and uh, that part for me. Uh, the casting process, it was kind of long from the in-person, you bring the dishes to the, that's the first step uh, to the point actually I, I get to LA. Uh, it is a long process. There's a background check, of course, everybody gonna do. And the more interviews, uh, yeah, just waiting the next step. I had to fly my, for me, uh, I have like four kids. I had to fly my parents from China to watch my kids. So I was able to do the show, that's why. <laughs> 
done speaking for now. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, I'm actually my first cookbook is coming out in this December. It's uh, called Asian Market Cookbook because I make a videos on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Some of my videos are called Asian Market, uh, how to shop at Asian Market. So that helped a lot of people. They were confused. Uh, more focused on how to shop at Asian Market. Oh, oh, my favorite recipes, Chinese recipes. That's so, Vivian. Congrats. Real quick, actually, uh, was it worth flying your parents out from China so that you could be on the show? Yeah, I, I think that was a great experience. Yeah, so even I stay a short time on the show, but I think give me a good experience. What's on TV? Actually, that's only my experience on the TV cooking setting. Other after that, I did more. Now I'm doing more like a social media. So I'm creating my own video on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram. So that's my, uh, not just producer, totally different experience now. But I have that TV experience. I'm glad I got, yes, they're worth it. Vivian, Chef Mimi here. Thank you so much for being on the show because um, Vivian was nice enough to uh, come in place of uh, Chef Noah Sims, who was supposed to be here, but he had a family emergency um, that uh, he had to fly out to Brazil. And he wanted me to tell everyone how sorry he was for not being here. And Vivian was nice enough to uh, come to his place. So thank you so much. No problem. Glad. I will do more of these uh, Clubhouse uh, shows. It's actually really fun to connect with everyone here. Talk about how to make it cooking on TV or social media. Yes. And Chef Rahan, I think it's time for us to reset the room and then we're going to open the hand raising feature to bring people up if you have any questions. Yeah, so hand raising is now turned on. Um, you can now start uh, to raise your hand for any questions that you'd like to ask um, to anybody on the stage. And um, yeah, it's uh, open to everybody. So when you speak, please say your name before and after you finish speaking. While on stage, if you like anything that someone says, tap on your mic quickly a few times to show your appreciation. And lastly, we'd love it if you could tap on that plus icon at the bottom to invite some of your followers into the room so uh, more people can benefit from this epic conversation. Um, we've got somebody who's coming up to the stage very shortly. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, as we go through, um, we'll keep it as quick as we can, and then we will drop you back down to the audience. So I guess uh, Nizna is here with her question. Far away. Hello. Uh, good afternoon. Good night to everyone. It's Nizna, actually, but it's okay. Um, so my, <laughs> yeah. So my first question is, so I'm a self-stop chef, and my main question is, like, if... All of these shows are basically um, um, recorded in the States or the UK or whichever other country that is not Peru. Um, which will be the best way for me to like apply, like build up a portfolio on like social media or do the YouTube more is more likely to be more appealing, like which will be the best way to do so. Thank you. So the route to market, the route to the TV, I guess from a TV star's perspective, maybe let's ask 
those that have done it already. So Sarah and Caitlin, you've had a huge success on, on online, on social. What was it? What was that turning point for you? Where did that really lie? And um, how did that benefit um, you going forward? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for us, it was it was just a really serendipitous thing. Like, um, my sister kind of, she actually just mentioned to me like, Oh, I saw this casting call. I'm, I mean, we're big fans of Andrew Zimmer. And we've watched um, every Andrew Zimmer show pretty much. I mean, we're big bizarre food, bizarre foods fans as well. Um, and so I think she follows Andrew on Instagram. And she just saw the casting call one day. And she was like, Hey, this sounds I mean, the show was called um, or was focused on families. And it just felt like a really, you know, if we were ever going to participate in anything um, TV, this felt right. I mean, for us, we've, we've actually had outreach before um, to appear on competition shows or, um, you know, like Food Network oriented competition shows. And uh, we, we actually never really felt like that was the right fit for us because it just didn't, for us personally, it just didn't necessarily feel like the right fit. Um, but for this particular opportunity, it just kind of came up and, and we felt like, you know, if now, if it were ever, if there were ever a time, it's now or never, um, this is kind of like the perfect platform for us. Um, and so we, we submitted the application. Um, and from there, uh, we, we got outreach from, uh, one of the producers. Um, she did like a screen test with us, um, over like zoom, I think it was where she kind of asked us a bunch of questions and, um, we, we were, we were recorded on camera. Um, and yeah, from there it all just kind of like ballooned, um, and, and the production process began. And yeah, I don't know if I have like great advice for somebody who is like actively, um, like trying to seek out these opportunities because it just kind of felt, you know, for us, it just felt like it, like the stars lined and it fell into our lap. But, um, I will say that just like kind of keeping your eye out or like following, following people, um, or like food personalities or, or producers on, on social media and just like seeing those, just to be aware of those opportunities as they come up, um, could be a, a good, a good idea. Yeah. And I think just to add one other quick thing is, you know, I feel like from my own personal experience, like when I think about like doing TV, like I never thought that I would be comfortable enough to do it, like and from a public speaking or like, you know, being on camera point of view. And I think like working on like your comfort level, like on camera or just like reacting off the cuff or like more formal, even more formal public speaking and like being able to like take a topic and run with it. I think like, you know, like in my, the other side of my life, like at my like job, like I think I do a lot of that and I've kind of been like trained up in that inadvertently kind of funnily enough. And that's actually been like a huge asset to me, like on this side of my my life in terms of the blog and everything that we do for the walks of life. So I think that's a really like old school, but underrated thing, like just being comfortable, like, you know, talking off the cuff and, and, you know, working on, you know, riffing off of people and um, kind of like directing conversation and like taking a line of thought or like a narrative arc or something and like being able to carry it through, I think is so important. Well, and that's something on our side as producers that we really try to factor in as well, because as Lauren said earlier, it takes a long time. And as Rocco said, 
you know, sometimes you have to cook something five or six times. And when we're going through the casting process and figuring out the people we want to meet and what kind of stories we want to tell, especially if it's more of a travelogue show where we're coming into your home or we're coming into your restaurant or we're coming into your food truck. Sometimes we just want to get our host in there right away and have you forget that you're even on television and, you know, he'll come, he or she or whoever the host may be, he'll come barreling in and get you laughing, get you telling your stories. And, you know, we don't even really film much of the cooking. We're all, we're cameras covered on that entire conversation. And then, you know, as these lovely ladies were pointing out the next day, we did B-roll and, or Hayden's team did B-roll and probably filmed them making the same thing over and over again at 20% their normal speed because we knew we missed all of that stuff yesterday because we were so busy filming the reality of the conversations and the things that you don't want to miss. So for every show we do, we always kind of go into that structure of what is the best way that we can get you happy and comfortable first. And sometimes it's not having the host show up. Sometimes it's spending a half a day with the crew and just cooking the food slowly and building a rapport with the camera people and getting comfortable on camera. Other times it's vice versa. And for us, it's kind of a decision we make on the fly every segment, every episode, based on what we think will produce the most realistic results while still getting all the pretty pictures we need for your beautiful food. And I'm going to jump in there, Hoban. I mean, the thing I think people don't realize is we spend more than one day filming with people, uh, especially in their home. And either we shoot B-roll and interviews the day prior or the day after we're shooting, but ideally we shoot it the day before so we get to know you, so you're comfortable with us, the cameras, the crew, uh, make sure that you, you'll know the stories that we're trying to tell, which is your story based on the interviews, and that puts everybody at ease. But there are sometimes situations where we have to film the interviews and the food porn and all that the day after, and then that's just gravy. Um, so, all right, I'm gonna speak. I just wanna say like, there are definitely times when I've had to make people uncomfortable on shows, and Chef Rocco is one of them. I mean, I had to, I had to push Chef Rocco to do things that were probably out of his comfort zone because we were doing a weight loss show. But also sometimes just with cooking competition shows in general, you know, I've got somebody in the kitchen, they're making a dish, they're on a timer thing, and I'm asking them, you know, about their dead grandmother's recipe, and it's an emotional moment. And it is out of their comfort zone, but that's also just to, to make people understand how much the people involved care about the situation. You know, a, a good story has a beginning, middle, and an end when you're watching a movie. And you got to know that that middle, when it's compelling and it's exciting, is not always good times. There is the pressure of the ticket machine pumping out orders or the, the pressure of the competition being timed or the thing that you messed up. And nobody wants to be on TV messing something up. But at the same time, you have to know that when you overcome that moment, when you get past it, and we capture that as well, or even your heartbreak, if, you, if you're on a competition show and say you go out quickly, it's, it is heartbreaking. But at the same time, you want people to feel for you and understand you. And that also translates to the passion that you have for your food and for what you're doing as a chef. So it is all about pushing in uh, the direction of making sure that, well, one thing that I, I, I did like um, from what uh, Caitlin said was actually just genuinely being yourself and finding your uh, comfort zone within all of that with the banter with the um, film crew uh, and, and just having that back and forth. Um, 
really opens it up to actually just being you. And I guess that's what you're picking up uh, from the casting as well. Um, so I'm hopefully that has answered your question there um, today. Um, off to our next uh, question, which is from uh, Yoda. Yoda, you're up. Elizabeth? Elizabeth Yoda. Okay, we'll come back to you. Uh, Chef Keisha, you're up next. What's your question? Okay, maybe I'm not being heard. Can you hear me? Nope, can't hear you at all. Okay. Kidding, I'm kidding, I'm <laughs> kidding. I can hear you. <laughs> Right, on to Randy. Randy, you're next. Hey, guys. Uh, it's hey, really... Randy. Hey. Yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, it's great great to be here and uh, chat with you guys and hear all your insights. I'm actually a huge fan of uh, the Lost of Life blog. Randy. Hi, Randy. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we do a, just a quick intro, I run a YouTube channel and a blog as well on Chinese family recipes and... Um, my dad's been a Chinese chef for 50 years and he just has like all this knowledge to share. So I've made it a mission to share it. And um, yeah, we're actually in the casting process for family dinner. Yeah. I just read your stuff, Randy. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, awesome. um, so I guess I, I mean, I don't really have any major questions. It's just like, how do we like, I guess, I mean, if picked, like how do we, like tell tell our story best or like what do you guys look for when you guys are selecting people for your shows i mean well randy i'll, I'll jump on this one because i saw your stuff today um i mean we we're gonna definitely put your stuff forward we need to do a video skype with you and have the network sign off now the only thing that's working against you is if your story is very similar to Sarah and Caitlin's story. Um, they might say, let's not do that this season. Let's wait another season because it is very similar that you're trying to share your dad's knowledge of the food uh, that he grew up with. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it will not work. So I'll, I'll talk to you offline on this. I'll give you a call tomorrow. Or if you're talking to Mary Kay or Michelle, then maybe they'll handle. But for the most part, your videos look great. Um, your story is great. Your personality is great. The only thing also working against you is that your dad doesn't speak any English, correct? Right. Yeah, that was like another another question. So Michelle did mention like you guys have like had non-English like main characters before. Um, but yeah, I mean that is like some friction there for sure. Because like, yeah, the, I mean the hardest part is if there's somebody standing. A lot of stuff is lost in translation when you have a hostess asking a question and then it's translated and then you get a rough translation back and you lose some of the emotion behind it. But um, if you can translate or your mother can translate, then that wouldn't be as big of a problem. I think there was some confusion about your mom didn't want to be on camera, but it looks like you sent an email today that said she's okay with that. Yeah, so she was like, I was like, Mom, why'd you say that? But, but like, she, she meant, like, in, originally when we were, like, pitching, just, like, doing a YouTube channel with her to begin with. So, like, so here's what I'll say. For anybody that's trying to be cast on anything, don't give um, a production company or a network a reason not to cast you. Like, saying my mom doesn't want to be on TV. That's something yeah. to work out at home. And then just if, by the time you get to it, then producers can talk to her. It's like, ah, she's not really that comfortable now or not sure what we're doing. 
we're good about convincing people, but also you just don't want that to be a red flag. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I so, mean, she's like totally natural when she is yeah. on like, the YouTube channel. I think it's just like got lost in yeah, that, I mean, that's it. I mean, we'll, I'll talk to you, maybe give you a call tomorrow, and we can go from there about uh, the consideration. And everybody that's listening, what Randy's talking about is we're casting for the second season of um, Family Dinner, which Sarah and Caitlin were on. And the uh, flyer on how to uh, submit yourself is actually on my Instagram page right now as the first photo. So you can just go to that and submit, just so everybody knows. And it's funny because sometimes, you know, to Hayden's point, don't ever, ever give a reason not to be casted. But don't also feel like that it might be something that held you back. Like when we, we did Fresh Fried and Frisbee, um, one of my favorite segments we ha had the whole season, it was a Polish family. The daughter was this wonderfully amazing dynamic ca uh, character. She had a little pierogi place. And mom was just this old school, you know, World War II era Polish woman that did not speak a lot of English. And we went in with a concern with that. And truth be told, they almost didn't get cast because of that. And it ended up being one of the funniest segments of the whole season because it was our host almost flirting with the mom just to try to get her to smile as she was teaching him how to make pierogies. And by the end of the segment, she's laughing. She's teaching him how to say grace and Polish and it, it's truly one of the funnier segments of the season that when we first went in we we didn't know how we were going to navigate it and that's the great thing about reality tv we can plan everything out it's never going to go according to plan and sometimes you get stuff that's a thousand times better and to to Hoban's point um and to Justin's point earlier it's like look when this happens like we adjust on the fly but if there's emotion behind anything, I mean, the emotion uh, transcends barriers. And if you can see a change in emotion over a scene, then we've done our job. And as people that are on, as cast on these shows, you've done your job because it's about an emotional journey that's told over the food. I want to jump in real quick. And, and this doesn't necessarily go speak to your question, Randy, specifically, but to part of the, the casting process, it does start with pictures of your food a lot of times because the first thing we're doing on a lot of these kind of shows especially more the popcorn shows and like food paradise that i'm doing now we're looking for specific foods so if the photography of your food that's out there online is whack fix it it is sorry there's a big truck going by fix it there's get a photographer make sure the photographs of your food that are out there look like something that would be presentable on TV. If it's all just customers photos from Yelp that are poorly lit off an iPhone, that is not a good look for you because that's part of where it starts. Like if you look at Chef Rocco's Instagram, for instance, he's got, you know, fun, sexy people on his rooftop restaurant eating and he's got pictures of his food and he's got stories from his life in little places. And like, it's a complete picture. You can find him online. There's an accessibility there that casting directors and producers we're looking for. We want to know a little something about you and what your food looks like and that it presents well before we even talk to you. Because you have to keep in mind, on television, we're never going to taste your food, we're never going to touch your food, we're never going to smell your food. So the look of your food has to accomplish three of the five senses on its own from a visual. Sometimes as producers, we're working on these great food shows, we don't ever eat this stuff. I know chefs and I have never once had a taste of their food. <laughs> so, You're but they've been on TV. 
And, and well, I know. Well, and Chef Rocco takes care of us, and he fed us plenty. But uh, there's certain times when the day is just so busy and crazy, or if it's a competition show, I don't necessarily get to eat the food. But yet, I've cast the person or put the person on TV based on their story that I see online and and who they are, and after doing a casting interview and those pictures of your food. So if you look at your IG or if you look at pictures that other people have posted and you aren't really proud of your plating, like fix it. Go back to the drawing board, make it look great. That if you want to be on TV. You know, certain foods present better than others, but I can guarantee you for Food Paradise especially you want to be on this show, we need to see great shots of your food somewhere before we even talk to you. Yeah, cer- certainly jumping in there. I mean, one of the biggest challenges for us for fresh fried and crispy was all fried food kind of looks brown. And obviously we still wanted a visual and colorful show. So when we were looking at, you know, pictures of food, Instagram, restaurant menus, and talking to people, just seeing plates of deep fried food that were also accentuated with different greens and colors. And, you know, it's not just a bucket of fried chicken. It's a whole beautiful plate of stuff where, you know, the center item is still that fried food item, those immediately went to the top of the list for us because we knew throughout the whole process, our finished plate wasn't just going to be a bunch of brown fried stuff. So, you know, color your food. I agree. Great food photos, find little accents to make it pop and be colorful and beautiful. And that's always going to catch our eye. Matt out. Um, I see a few new people just uh, coming into the room. So let me just reset the room real quick. We are here um, talking with the food TV executives and their TV star chef alums. This room is hosted by Food is Religion Club. Please tap on the greenhouse above to follow the club. And, um, you know, the hand raising is still turned on. So anybody that wants to ask a question, please feel free to come on stage. Um, by tapping on the hand-waving icon at the bottom. This room is being recorded by Best Served Podcast by Chef Jensen Cummings, who is um, in the audience, uh, first row. Uh, His name is Chef Jensen. If you want to tap on his profile, and you'll find information on when this show will air. And... uh, We really invite you to tap on the plus icon to invite more people into the room so they don't miss out on this um, great conversation. And um, that's it. I'm Chef Mimi, and I'm done resetting the room. Back to you, Chef Rahan. Thank you, Chef Mimi. And we're on to Anasu. Anasu, how are you? I haven't spoken to you in ages. Uh, Always good to hear from you. Uh, Have you got a question for our TV execs and TV stars? Chef Anasu? Nope. If Chef Anasu okay. is not ready, uh, we need to go back to Yoda. Go to... Or Chef Keisha. Yoda, yes. Keisha's, Keisha's on all day. Uh, oh, hello, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day today. I'm just enjoying the conversation um, on set here, kind of just setting up. We're filming this evening. I'm a filmmaker and um, a big fan of Chef Mimi and I met Rohan through the app here and just always enjoy your conversation. So I've just been listening um, and enjoying hearing the production side of chef, um, of the chef and food shows. Do you have a question for us, Yoda? For the TV producers or for any of these um, TV star alums? 
Um, no, I, I don't. I'm just really enjoying the conversation and listening to um, the pr- production side of it, a uh, reality uh, TV show versus scripted. Uh, I do definitely find that interesting um, as a entertainer myself and filmmaker. Uh, you know, we do stuff between improvisation and um, and I was enjoying the conversation. Um, I, I didn't have the phone in front of me, but one lady was saying about how she learned to be comfortable with uh, just working off the other people and learning to do that. So it definitely is a art and a skill uh, for it. So, but I'm just listening here and having, enjoying the conversation and wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Um, Chef Keisha, are you ready to speak to us? Chef Keisha's on holiday. She is listening in, um, but yeah, she will not be asking the question. Um, Belqui, the Caribbean Latin recipe extraordinaire. Do you have a question <laughs> a for our TV stars? Hold on a second, Belki. Um, let's get back to Chef Anasu because we didn't get to uh, speak to him yet. Are you ready to speak to us, Chef Anasu? Hi. Hi, I am. How's, how's everyone doing? All right. We're good. Thought I'd jump on. We're great. Mimi gave us a wee ping. Sorry if I'm like total on a different energy. I've just had a service. And it went amazing. We had flipping, um, had the Rosette Guide in today. Uh, got a decent chat off that with BBC and yesterday. So it's class that you guys are talking media stuff. I'm kind of more on the wall, just listening. Um, but I, uh, fantastic wee panel that's on here just now. Um, apologies for my energy level. I'm trying to, I'm trying to unwind, uh, which is hard to do. But I, um, good to hear you. Thank you very much for getting me up here, and I'm listening attentively. Cheers. Pour yourself a drink, sir. It sounds like you're welcome. I, you know, you know, I, we're in the north. It's, it's, it's whiskey time, I think, gents. Uh, I, I think it's that. I've got a wee day off tomorrow, so uh, paperwork, blah, 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 blah. Tons of tourists coming in. A wee bit of free, but obviously the COVID stuff that's happening with the new variant. There's been one or two places that have closed in and around us, which isn't great, in the central belt in Scotland. But apart from that, I mean, people are still coming. You know, we're still getting people coming to criticize things, blah, blah, blah. But on the media side of things, um, just for the restaurant in general, spoke to the owners. That's one thing that they really want to push. Uh, told them about being on this app, and they were like, that's great. We've got one of our chefs. My head chef is mm, very far removed. <laughs> He's a very strange guy. He used to be an agency chef, obviously worked with Ramsey for a little bit. Uh, really high standards, not not tech savvy at all. So it's a case of for him, you know, when he puts something out, he knows it's good. You know, like for example, we don't have salt on our tables. You know, things like that. But um, I, if if I can tune into this, maybe pick up one or few things that maybe we could start doing as a restaurant and as a collective. Obviously, getting the natural produce award over any Michelin star restaurant in Scotland, um, that's pretty good. So I, I'm tuning in attentively. Thank you all so much for your time. Uh, and as the good man said, uh, it's, it's, I think it's that time. So I'll ask the missus, and hopefully I'm allowed. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed. You, you got permission from Clubhouse. Um, here's the good news. Why don't you follow Lauren? I know she just left, but Lauren is uh, with BBC uh, out of the UK, and one of her good friends is with BBC out of Scotland, and uh, she might be able to point you in the right direction of some people to get your restaurant in front of. Absolutely booming. Uh, I actually did some... Well, not, not to talk politics, but semi-political stuff for the SNP National Party. And the representative for Sterling will be coming in on one of the days. 
So it would be quite nice to maybe set up some sort of, I don't know, media something. I'm not, again, guys, I'm not, I'm not too savvy. But... Okay, so here's my advice. Don't set up anything media savvy if without somebody else's permission or if they have their own thing going. The, the biggest uh, problem we have is if we go to film with somebody and they've set up like the local news or local somebody to show up and do a story on them. And then the story that we're doing is getting blown up because they've just given everything away. So uh, double check with whoever's coming that it's okay, but normally they want to have their stuff on first. Right, Hayden, you're an absolute legend. I'll get you a wee follow just now, and I'll be in touch. You said Lauren was the name. If anything, just punch it into my Instagram or something, man. That would be much appreciated. Thank you, guys. I'm done yep. speaking. God bless. Yeah, I'll send you the link, bro. <laughs> Don't worry. Enjoy Cheers, that whiskey. House talkie. <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry. No, not the place. Aye, right, okay. <laughs> God love Chef Adesu. Uh Yeah, we'll, we'll catch up for sure. Um, and like I was saying earlier, we're off to the uh, Caribbean and Latin recipe legendary uh, Chef Belqui. Uh, what's your question today? Hi, it's actually Belki. It's a silent you. You know, us Latin people like to drive people crazy with the silent you. <laughs> but hi, yes. Yes. No. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on stage. And I'd love to see that my my buddy Gwen is here, too. I love you, Gwen. Um, so, yes, I um, so I'm a food blogger. I uh, have a YouTube channel as well. I've been fortunate enough that now I have a live cooking segment on an ABC uh, station, a local ABC station in Portland. I do live in Arizona, so it's wonderful that they're able to zoom me in and, and it works out really great. Uh, my question is. I am, I am a Latin food blogger, but a lot of the recipes that I do are also Latin fusion recipes. So literally, I just make up a recipe in my head. Like, I'll be like, oh, you know, um, why don't I do like a, instead of a German schnitzel, I'll do a chicken schnitzel that's seasoned Latin style. So I do a lot of things like that. Um, and it's kind of hard to, like, where do I fall when it comes to pitching myself to someone or to... Um, a production company. Um, I did have an interview and a two hour, um, you know, on camera interview with a production company that does shows right now for the Food Network. Um, they're waiting for me to grow, but we kind of, you know, we were kind of talking about how I would present myself and they were more like busy mom um, type of show. And then I'm like, yeah, but I kind of want to showcase more of the Latin. Um, what do you guys think? Am I shooting myself in the foot by kind of sticking to what my passion is? Or should I be more open? I'm done speaking. Uh, be yourself. Be who you are. Don't let somebody else try to mold your image. Because the problem is if somebody else tries to mold your image and then they're trying to mold your image for a certain type of show, whether competition reality or uh, a food log, a travel log or whatever it may be, it may not be authentic to you. An authentic story is going to tell like who you are. And since you've already got a um, position on an ABC affiliate and all that, just keep working that because the thing is we will find you. Other shows will find you. And, um, and if they're not asking you to be somebody that you're not, then that's who you want to go with, honestly. Yeah. Thank you very much because I was feeling like, you know, I felt like I was doing something that was different and that I actually have always been doing since I was 12. And I felt like, well, I don't really want to change who I am. So I pushed back a little bit <laughs> um, 
you know, just because I, I have this passion and I feel like when you have passion, it kind of comes through when you're cooking, when you're doing stuff. And I love to just have fun in the kitchen. So thank you for that piece of advice. I'm going to continue to work. And I didn't hear about your casting before. So I'm actually going to go see, uh, check it out. And that's for you, Hayden. <laughs> and I'm going to maybe submit for that. But I do have a Spanish speaking mom, uh, but she's crazy. So she could be fun. Um, crazy is good TV. Crazy is good TV. <laughs> crazy exactly. is always Well, good. you got me, though. With me, you've had enough. Like, I'm, I'm like, just kind of really out there. Um, but, yes, and another question, and then I'll be done, is, like, oh, Gwen, you're, you're saying, yep, Belky is nuts. Uh, but uh, when it comes to castings, where is the best place for us people who want to try um, to submit for shows to go? Is there a hub? Is there a place? How do we find these castings? Yeah, we've actually uh, – this is something we've talked about before, and I think it's always worth uh, reiterating. It, the first thing is kind of knowing what you want to be on because there are, a, a, you know, there's a lot of different type of food shows. There's, you know, the more popcorn restaurant shows, there's deeper travel logs, there's food competition shows. And kind of one of the best, like what we've said many times to people is figure out the types of shows you want to be on first. Like, do you want to be on a chop? Do you want to be on a top chef? Or do you want something that's more of a, you know, a, a, one, a travelogue or a pop-in? Figure out what those production companies are. Do a little IMDB or wiki stalking. Google that shit. And you'll usually find on their websites either postings <laughs> for, ca you know, postings for castings or even just like, you know, a general page of like, submit yourself for an upcoming project. It's Thank tough you. sometimes, especially because with new shows, sometimes we can't really tell you what we're casting you for. Um, yeah. You know, like when we were doing when we were doing the casting for Fresh Fried and Crispy last year, we had to keep everything kind of a secret and under wraps because the show didn't exist yet. And we didn't want to get, you know, too much of it leaked out. So whereas an established show that's been on for a long time, they have a much better infrastructure in place for finding and filtering great people and great restaurants. Well, like you said, Matthew, I'm going to Google that shit. I'm going to find it. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. And just to just to piggyback on some of that also, there are a ton of Facebook groups out there that are dedicated just to um, like reality docu casting calls. Um, now, granted, that might also be the same hub for, you know, cheesy dating shows or like other competition-based shows, but it's kind of a dump for everything. So whether it's something that exists out there in the world already or not, or if it's something that's just getting its footing um, as a first season show, a lot of things are well, you can find on there pretty easily. Thank you, Janelle. Thank you, everyone. Uh, and we are on to our next um speaker Gwen. Gwen's got a question. Uh, what's your question, Gwen? Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you can hear me okay. I'm in the car at the moment, but thank you so much for having me today. I wanted to just kind of find out um, as it relates to um, kind of the same questions that Belky kind of had as it relates to finding different castings. For me personally, I'm a content creator um, in the vegan and plant-based space, and I know that there's not where I have a hard time kind of finding different places where I kind of fit as a content creator. Um, I am wanting to um, go get out there a lot more as it relates to kind of sharing my recipes, kind of like, like Belky shared. I do share like within my blog, different recipes with people in, online and through social media. 
but I am also trying to figure out how do I kind of break into this a little bit more as it relates to vegan and plant-based. And right now I don't really see a lot of people, at least on like Food Network or some of the major channels. So I just wanted to see if you could provide any insight or um, any suggestions. I appreciate your time. I'm done speaking. Uh this is Justin. Let me jump in real quick. We did actually have a plant-based vegan chef on Fresh Fried and Crispy, but it was it was a tough sell, and that's just the honest truth. And it is a little bit harder, but that doesn't mean there aren't ways to do it. She fit the mold for that show in the fact that she had food that was fried, and it was fresh, and it was crispy. So those opportunities are still there, regardless of the type of food. She had the right photo, she had the right personality, and it just worked. So... Keep pressing and, forward, don't give up just because of that. Though you do have to accept that it will be more difficult. And it was yes. one of the best segments of the season, getting this vegan woman to convince a man who loves fried meat to, uh, to eat this food. And it's one of the funniest and most entertaining segments of the season. But to Justin's point, it was it was the perfect fit. I couldn't have pitched like a vegan segment in every episode. It would have just gotten kicked back. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I do appreciate your guys' feedback. And uh, Justin, one of the things that you shared that I had caught in um, this room is obviously the importance of like food photography. That's something that I kind of pride myself on. So definitely feel free to take a look at my link in the bio and you can kind of see a little bit about my work and kind of what I share with my community. Um, I think what kind of separates me a little bit from what others are sharing is I like to do a little bit of storytelling with my blogging and with my cooking. In addition to, I also try to, it's called Simply Dish is what my blog is. And when I go by on social media and what I really pride myself on is trying to simplify recipes for people um, and also make sure that obviously they're tasty and affordable for people, which I think there's a lot of people that are, are in now and trying to and in, you know, obviously this pandemic. So that's really what I really cater to on social media. So um, like I said, I do welcome the chance to stay connected with you all here. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much, Gwen. And I guess um, there is a lot of overlap here between what people are trying to look for in terms of, of, of distribution of, of their own narrative and um, where that fits in uh, along the line as well. So there's a lot of content that needs to be made. But Hayden, um, what is it that that's a key thing that stands out for you when, when looking to cast? I know you're casting now for your next show. Uh, what are the key things that you are looking for? Uh, authenticity, real people with real stories, not somebody that's trying to change a story to uh, appease what we're looking for, because we don't really know. Like, there's so many different stories and people out there with different reasons to tell their story. Like, like when uh, Sarah and, and Caitlin were here, I mean, their blog was be was created because they were trying to stay connected to their family or their parents who moved back to China. They grew up in a Chinese American family. But they did not have the connections. They never learned how to cook their food. To us, that was fascinating because they turned it into a blog, which is now a business. But it was the connection to their, the food they grew up in uh, eating that was what we wanted to highlight and how they reconnected with that food. So, um, and every story is different. Some of it's like, where, where did you, where did you grow up? Why is this food significant? It's the, 
it's the story behind the food. So whatever that relationship is, is what we're, what we're looking for in food TV. And I'm done speaking. And I also guess like uh, from Justin's point about trying to make a vegan fried elements um, more appealing to a mass audience was quite a difficult challenge. But how does that, um, how does that map? How do, how do you actually build that from a plant-based society that is ever growing? And I'm sure it's going to be on your radar really, really soon in a massive way, if not already. How, how does that map? Well, I think um, to his point, it is a harder sell because it's not a traditional food. But if you're doing the work yourself at home, if you're if you're making the recipes, you're creating the recipes, you're taking gorgeous photos, you're getting followers uh, in on Instagram, you're part of a larger uh, community that then creates this momentum that we can then say, oh, there's momentum behind you. They've got, I, I, Gwen, I haven't looked at your, um, you've got a thousand followers on uh, Clubhouse. I don't know how many you have on Instagram, but like if we go, oh, there's like 20,000 people following you, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah, you got 2,000 followers. People, people in network would be like, oh, this really sexy food. Like I'm looking at the food now, um, Gwen, and that's all stuff that you'd want to put on TV. And it just comes down to pitching it at the right time for the right show, and uh, we can get you on TV. I mean, it's just it's harder to start, but if you're doing the work, we can, you know, we can, yeah. we'll find you. Well, I'm doing the work, Hayden. I've been doing the work. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you that my friend Bokey could probably attest to it. I've met her here, and I'm, I've only been on this platform here, at Clubhouse, since uh, the third or fourth week of March, and you know, um, that's that's just been my time here on the platform. So not that so, really, not so, really that long. Well, then I'll say this, and there's no promises here, but submit for the family dinner show. It's a great way to okay. get your get yourself out there. I don't know if you'll get on or not right now, because I still have to convince the network. But look, your food is, is gorgeous, and it's not something we've done yet. We haven't done a vegan lifestyle uh, family. So, you know, if you have a story behind it, why are you vegan? How did you convince your kids or your family or friends? Or what's the story of, like, the, the dinner yeah. you do once a week with that? That's yeah. what we're looking for. Yeah, I and, think you. I think that you would like that. Um, me, I mean, just in short, I don't want to take up the stage, but I think one of the main reasons is I was working in the healthcare industry for over ten years and worked six years of that time in the cancer, working with cancer patients as a marketing director. One of the main reasons that I went vegan is is definitely for my health. Um, and I have two little ones, a five-year-old as of literally today is his birthday, and my um, daughter who's eight. And my husband's active duty in the military. So I think I do have a, a unique story as to why and how we're incorporating that into our particular lives. Your IG is done. I'm looking at it. It's on point. Love it. It's great. Thank you. I appreciate it, Justin. Yeah, so just, you know, send an email to that casting thing. I'm reading all of those right now. And, and I can give you pointers. Like, look, I, we want to tell your story. Everybody on here wants to tell the story of everybody here. We have, you know, the networks telling us kind of what they think, but it's our job to find a new angle and a new spin and a new food and something that hasn't been on TV before to then bring that to TV. That's amazing. I don't know if I heard in the very beginning, do I just reach out to Justin or are you Hayden? No, okay, no. Or... So go, yeah, go to my Instagram. First uh, photo up is the new casting for family dinner. 
and you can just submit there and we'll go through it and I will just reach out to you to try to help you get on the show. I'll, anybody that submits awesome. on it, I will try to get you guys on the show. But it's about family. Who? What is the family? What are the recipes? What are the old recipes that you've now altered to be vegan that are carrying on a family tradition that uh, now are a healthier lifestyle choice? You know, think about the emotional story. It's always the emotional story. Yeah, and, and, and just yeah. just to and, chime in, like for uh, for you, the, for the. Let, just let me jump in real quick because my I might lose reception. But you can hit me up. What I'm casting for right now is Food Paradise. So each episode is a very specific theme. Sometimes it's a city. Sometimes it's like uh, all chicken is the episode I was working on today. So you may actually still fit into a theme. Hit me up. Let me know what city you're in um, and what kind of food you do because that show is really cast on who's making very visual food that is in a city that we're already going to, or we might have a crew near that fits the theme of a show and the chef and the owner have great personality. And that show is mostly restaurant based. So you kind of have to be affiliated with a restaurant uh, for it to work. But I, I we got 20 more episodes of that show too uh, that are being cast throughout. So if any of the chefs out there want to hit me up, especially on Instagram, it's probably the easiest place. It's at Justin Harvey 75, it's in my bio. Um, we're, we're definitely looking for a lot of restaurants for that show as well and chefs that can cook great, amazing looking food because that show is very much driven by the, you know, more popcorn aspect of food porn shots. So if your food does not present well, not the show for you, but if it does and it's big and bodacious and, and audacious, then it's definitely the right thing for that show regardless of, you know, what kind of thing you're cooking. And we have had a few... Uh, plant-based chefs on that show not a ton but a few so you know hit me up with that too uh if you guys have you know things that might be good for that show and Rocco's done that one as well yeah and the only thing I was going to chime in there as well is uh, and you 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 told the story very very eloquently and beautifully it's the why um the why always helps with whether it's a vegan story or a more unusual type of food, like the woman that we featured on Fresh Fried and Crispy, her story was very personal. She was a meat eater, like you know, pretty much everybody else in her family. And when her son was six years old, he started having all these asthma problems and medical problems. And they discovered he had all these different kind of allergies to gluten and different things. So she delved into that plant-based world because she wanted her son to be able to eat all the same foods that all his friends ate and just figure out a way to make it healthy. And then it turned into a business and then they turned into an even bigger business. And now she has this great successful bakery and vegan based uh, food store in this town. And it all just started because she was trying to find a way to make her son healthier and still feel like a normal kid. And I guess that's where people find where they're going to fit in um, to these shows. But again, if the producers are, are are lining up these shows, I guess for for people looking to get in, they need to know what casting is available and where to to look for those things. So I think that's that's the first port of call. How do you know where casting is, or is it just a case of just digging around until you find um, certain things that are going on? I mean, I can say for Food Paradise, it is willy-nilly crazy because there's so many factors that go into the casting for that show that a lot of times we just find you. 
Um, and, and it's hard to get at us, but that's why I say reach out to me because, you know, maybe I can find some ways to slot some people in, especially if they're in cities that we're already currently traveling to, um, with fresh fried and crispy, you know, Hoban and I both spent a, a ton of time just like looking at what cities were cool overall for fried food and then diving into those cities. And there were lots of cities that we didn't even go to, but we found those cool restaurants and reached out to them and, you know, a lot of it was because of the nature of the show, we had to go out and find them. But the people that we found were also people that wanted to be on TV for the most part and were ready for it, you know, had their IG in line. They had those pictures that we were talking about. Then they had those stories that we wanted to tell. So part of it is being what I call prepared for luck. Like, yes, you got to get lucky sometimes, but at the same time, there's nothing that says you can't be prepared for it the second it hits where you're like, you know, just like Rocco was for us when we called him. Yes, he's done food TV and stuff before. But man, when we had when Hoban and I had that phone call with him, like he was ready for us. You know, he's like, I can send you guys pictures. I can do this. I got this on my IG if you want to check it out right now. You know, being prepared for that lucky moment when the phone call happens is also part of it. And again, uh, competition shows are always trying to cast and they usually have a casting notice somewhere, whether it's through a casting department or the network's website or, you know, the production company um they're out there so you do have to kind of seek it out a little bit and sometimes it'll seek you out and again if you're in this room right now you've got a bunch of guys who are producing food tv shows all the time hit us up talk to us we're friendly people we're not going to bite your hand off you know and the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to be right where you were at the beginning of this which is you're not on tv so it can't get any worse there's nothing that's going to hurt you about reaching out it can't it can only get better especially if you're starting at zero anyway so you have nothing to lose okay. reach out to those people make those contacts and believe me we like people who are pushing their agenda and trying to get out there that's what we need those are the people we're trying to find and to justin's point we all share contacts like if you're not right for our show you might be right for somebody else's show that because and and we do it like Janelle and I have shared people a million times. We're like, oh, they're they're not great for uh, Hell's Kitchen, but we we could do the whole thing of Kitchen Nightmares at their place. Or you know, it's a, it's just such a small world on our side that we want to put people on TV that are new and unique voices, and we just don't always have the avenue personally, but we have friends that do. Yeah, and I mean, it's also kind of you know when. Chef Ryan and Chef Mimi invited us. It's why we were also excited to do this because, you know, learning about the world of Clubhouse, this is just another opportunity for us to communicate casting opportunities, to find new talent. Um, you know, when because sometimes we get a job on the fly as well. We'll be unemployed for a month and bouncing off the walls, and all of a sudden a job lands in our lap, and we got to find people in two or three weeks. Um, it, you know, TV is just as crazy as the restaurant world. So it's probably why we get along so well. I'll third that, and that's all I'll say. Thank you, Bradley. Um, Justin, you have a question? I guess I have a question for Chef Rocco. So I love your food, and I just love your attitude, and you know, you're just so confident in front of the camera. Have you always been comfortable in front of the camera? Like, have you always been a ham or uh, did it come from practice? I guess, you know, my question is, have you ever been shy? Um, or like, are people born with the TV personalities? 
or you have to work at it? Uh, that's a fantastic question. So uh, early on, uh, I was asked by my mother and grandmother to stay in the kitchen, which brought the, the love for my food quality uh, at nine years old. But in high school, I uh, joined a show choir for the only reason I got through the singing part of it. But I just really wanted to move the equipment and go to Europe a couple times because that's where they would go and they would tour in high school. It was called the Men Are Top 25. So lo and behold, that gave me a stage presence that really kind of just, you know, it coincides with who you're working with. But just like, you know, Hoban said earlier, you know, it's that natural moment when the chef walks in, whether it's Andrew Zimmerman or Bobby Flay or Leanne Wong or Rocco Whalen or Mark Vetri or named 50 chefs, you know, um, you have to be personable. You have to capture the most out of your minutes, all the energy, everything you've been, you know, you've stayed, you saved up. You just want to take that lid off and, and go. And it ultimately needs to be visually beautiful, taste beautiful, especially if you're dealing with a host, but also during a competition or something along the lines of, you know, you've got 30 minutes to make this and go and, you know, we're going to take this ingredient away or add this ingredient or you don't know where you're going. It's just, you're a humble guy. I am. I grew up, you know, lower middle class in Cleveland in the Rust Belt where food never got a lot of credit in the 70s and 60s and meat and potatoes and the river caught on fire. And I moved out west and sorted my oats and lived, lived in Phoenix and Mexico and L.A. and Vegas and came home, opened in Cleveland, opened in Charlotte. And here we are. But, you know, just as I could... I, I, I think you can feel my energy through this uh, message, also this clubhouse, but pretty food from all walks of the you know, world, all walks of life, all ethnicities is really what gets me going. And just excited for everybody to watch Fresh Fried and Crispy on the 9th, too, because it's something that we're all talking about right now that I can't say any more about. But, man, it's good to be alive and tune in. So, uh, Rocco, what, what's the hardest thing that Justin's made you do? Uh, which format, which show? I lost 100 pounds on a network TV for the Food Network. It only went one season. So whether or not we failed or won, I lost the 100 pounds. Justin put me on hills and did things with me on the beach in Cleveland in the winter, boxing and all sorts of stuff that just took me out of my comfort zone but gave me the focus and discipline that I needed to achieve the goal but also continue to make better decisions in my life. And then, you know, again, you know, if Hoban says jump, you say how high, or you say let's light that ring on fire and then throw it higher than you thought you were going to throw it and jump through that hoop. Make every uh, opportunity you can, and along the way, I'm pretty sure that Hoban or Justin or maybe somebody else that I know or the cordial side of saying hello to Leanne, I'm going to find another way to get on TV because good TV sells and stories are, are part of it, but also good TV and competing and making sure that you, you make the most of your moments is, is just as important as, you know, your technique, where you came from, why you're doing what you do. Like, um, to, uh, I believe it was Gwen earlier. Gwen? No, not Gwen. I'm sorry. Who's the young lady? I forget names. I apologize. It's into Hispanic foods. I, I would uh, say Belky? Belky Roll. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hot. It's healthy as well as, you know, uh, vegan. I mean, there's no bigger say. Oh, that, that was Gwen. Yeah, as Gwen well as was Gwen, the vegan girl. Both of them, but there's no okay. bigger segment than both of those. Ethnic, Hispanic, Spanish, you know, Latin American, Central American, and then vice versa. That I really love tasty vegetarian food or vegan food or, 
you know, the fact that you can manipulate in so many different ways now. And I'm 44, so the grocery aisles have grown with Emeril and all the other shows that started the Food Network as a puppy and made it into the, the bulldog in the yard. But it's nice to, you know, feature yourself and do what you do. There's moments for you. It will be a difficult path, more so than just in general, but it's, you're, it's the wave is running. Look at Whole Foods. Look at Amazon. Everything that's going into people wanting to eat different rices and different ancient grains and do what you do. Can I ask a question, please? Yes, go ahead. First of all, uh, thank you for letting me be in the room. I just want to vouch 100% um, what Mimi say about Rocco. Rocco, I haven't seen him in a while. Last time I was at dinner in his uh, restaurant in Cleveland, Fahrenheit, and uh, it just, he was always there and he makes everybody feel like home. And he's definitely put out the best food that I could have found in a long time. And uh, I know Rocco and I, we haven't spoken in ages, but uh, I am glad to see you in this room. And I can say that the best way sometimes to get in these shows is also being humble. Then unfortunately, when you need to get whatever the, the script says, well, you know, it's like, uh, like um, Hell's Kitchen, you know, he's contracted to say the F word four or five times during the episode. But in real life, I never heard him say it once. But definitely stay humble and trying to do your best, whatever you need to do to grow up. Because the TV, it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful world. Once you're in, you can probably stay in. And Rocco is definitely a great, amazing example. And, uh, you know, great inspiration for me with his weight loss and all his cooking and everything he does. Just, this is Mario. I'm done talking. Love you, Mario. Chicago's finest. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it, Rocco. Thank you. Chef Rocco, I missed a little bit of your answer, but I, I heard tale of it already. But I, I just want to ask you to like one of the genres of TV that we haven't talked about much in this room, even in previous segments, is doing the morning news thing. And I think that that is the hardest thing that you can do as a chef on TV. So I'm just wondering, and I know you've done it a million times and you make it look easy, but what is that like? Because I know doing local TV even is a great boom to your restaurant and for you as a chef. And a lot of times it's also good for chefs that don't have a restaurant uh, to right. cook on programs like that. But man, that stuff looks really hard. So what's that experience been like for you? All right, Justin, my guy, here we go. So... I opened my first restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio in 2001, celebrating my 20, 20th year this year. But around 2004 and 2005, the most amazing show ever created started, and that was called American Idol. So as a young entrepreneur, four or five years into my restaurant uh, space, I uh, just really begged Fox, hey, let me get uh, you know, my costs. I'll come in every Thursday. We'll do a little blah, blah, blah. We'll do a set. I'll do, you know, kids go back to school. I'll do, you know, crock pot meal. I'll do whatever. So long and behold, I just started making, making my way. Got on every week on Thursdays. And believe it or not, you know, American Idol was such a popular show in the beginning and still was for what, however many seasons that it didn't even matter if you watched American Idol or you watched Fox News in the morning. You had it on. You shut the TV off. A lot of people just popped the TV on and got the kids ready for school and packed lunches and Next thing you know, it's like it's every demo at the time. It was well before the 2012, 2016 political jargon that Fox News has been known for. But Fox hit every dynamic and every, dem every demographic for me. And 
I, I Ryan Seacrest, not just keeping up with the Kardashians, I owe him a big one because every locally syndicated Fox news station in each city took to me and I started just doing it every week after American Idol and you got to show up at 6 a.m. call time, 4 a.m. call time. You know, Matt Hoban wants me to throw, you know, hot dogs off the roof at Brown Stadium. I'm in. I'm your guy. You got to have energy. You got to do it well. You got to do it better than the next guy. And you, you better show up at the cappuccino for the crew or, you know, a big thermos or something because everybody's going to be thirsty. It's going to be early. But some of the best TV happens. Justin, tell me I'm wrong. At the wee hours in the morning when you're soul searching because then the guy next to you in the house over across the way isn't doing what you're doing and you're just trying to find and reach for that really good TV. Yeah. I'm not going to say that there aren't times when it's, you know, not miserable, but there's these moments that you get. And like, there was this moment in Rocco's driveway where he, and, and I'm, I got to tell this story, chef, where he started thinking about his mother and we're thinking about this big event that he's got to do. And I'm thinking about all the planning. And we both just broke down. We broke down in the middle of his driveway. He's running, trying to lose the weight and whatever. And we got this big event coming up where he's got to cook with all these other chefs and stuff. And it was just this bonding experience that we're never going to forget. And, and people lose sight of that, too. When you're doing these TV shows, it's a life experience. It, it's something that you're going to take with you forever. And you got to live in that moment, too. And you got to be ready to experience it because it's something that a lot of people don't get to do. We put a lot of chefs on TV, but it's still, you know, what 4% of the chefs in the world are going to do these kind of things. And so when they do it and when you do it, all of you guys who are listening, who are chefs appreciate those little moments that happen too, because they, some of them are once in a lifetime and it's totally worth it, but there is hard work involved, but I guarantee you most of it's worth it. I mean, and to Justin's point, we are emotionally invested in you and your success. All of us. Like, I, I would say every single person in this panel has cried with somebody as they went through some emotional story on camera that we were watching behind camera and then having to do ask questions afterwards. Uh, it's heartbreaking, you know, uh, whether you win or lose. And we are emotionally invested in your story. I think uh, a testament to what you just said to Hayden and Justin is here I am. I met Justin in 2011. It's a decade later. And. I have his cell. He has my cell. We connect when he's in Cleveland. I help him out. There's shows he does that I'm not involved with, but I point him in the right direction. We tried to do a show about, I, I like hot rods. I, I build hot rods. We tried to do a hot rod show for another channel that he, he was working on just to steer in the right direction. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing to ha have the connective web of things that we do. So make your connections. Remind people who they are. Then you get guys like Mario on that just say the most amazing things. I'm tickled and blushing over here. I love you again, Mario. I'm out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll follow up on that, too. I mean, the first day we were filming with Rocco, we were just down for a couple minutes. Somebody was changing a light. Him and I were just bullshitting. And I'm from a small town on the East Coast where I grew up. And the Italian food was the best. And I, and I live in Southern California. And Italian food here is just not the same. And I was just talking about how I miss, you know, my grandma's cooking and stuff like that. And the last day of shooting, he shows up with a whole big Tupperware container of sausage and peppers and all this stuff that just brought me back to my childhood. And like, he didn't need to do that. That was, it was just an honest, great moment that, you know, at the end of a long season of a scary show is just such a wonderful personal moment for my life. And Rocco, thank you again, because those were really good sausage and peppers. Hoban. You guys went through how many weeks, how many cities, 
not I'm not even messing. COVID tests morning, noon, and night, and not one case came down with the entire production crew or anybody that was a part of the production. That's an amazing feat in itself. Kudos to you guys, Justin and Oven. Go on now. And Rocco, I don't know if you remember this. I had the best gig on this on that show. I didn't have an episode. My episode was done. I was just hanging out. You just kept feeding me behind the food truck and nobody knew. That's what we do. But I, Hayden, I, Hayden, you're fired. <laughs> if I can add one quick thing, though, to the people that they are actually in the audience. Um, but don't forget, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but TV is not for everyone. Not that we are gods over here. And, you know, I was... Not lucky. I earned my spot on Iron Chef as a judge for several episodes and other shows. But it, sometimes I've seen people that say, oh, get me in here. Get me on TV. Get get me in the news. Like, you know, the famous four o'clock in the morning news. And uh, and then all of a sudden you watch them on TV and they froze. And they unfortunately have the TV, um, the anchor that it needs to take words out of their mouth. So sometimes it is, and correct me if I'm wrong, and bash me if I'm wrong, but it's not for everyone, although everybody wish to be there. Mario, I'll agree with you 100%. The thing is, if you're trying to be somebody you're not, you're not going to make good TV. But the people that are authentic to who they are and they're not worried about being something for somebody else are the people that make good TV and that, that have earned it. You know, anybody that has actually put in the time and has mastered their craft, Usually, uh, if they have a good host, can make good TV. But you're right; not everybody can make good TV. And and Aiden, to uh, go to your point too, I I've seen people that they try, they try very hard, and they were natural, but still, this sometimes it's it's all about, you know, when I look at the camera, I just don't even pay attention. There is a camera there. I just act as as I do whatever I gotta do, and uh, I do whatever my heart tells me to do. And that's why I was also top five most liked judges on the show because you just have to be natural and as much as you can. But sometimes, as as we both agree, I seen people freezing in front of the camera, and I'm like, and I felt bad because I'm the one that told them, "Hey, you can go there." And in real life, they were like talkative and everything, and then all of a sudden, boom, completely a pure, sorry for lack of a better word, disaster for the only opportunity you had to show yourself and showcase yourself as a talent and not only for your recipes that you were making. I also, let me in real quick. I, I just want to say this about that. On Food Paradise, it, it's great because I do work with a lot of chefs that have never been on TV. They're not necessarily cut out to be on TV a lot and they are more just kind of normal, average, everyday people doing their job. And in those moments, especially in a show where we're not trying to get anything salacious, we're not trying to throw you under the bus or anything, it's not a competition show, we don't need drama, trust your producers, because we're not there to do anything malicious, we're just there to make the restaurant look good. And producers like myself, I've, I work every day with people who are not ready for TV, and it's my job in 20 minutes to get you ready for TV, and it can be done, but it, it can't be done without a certain trust factor, and I have to build that trust quickly. So. Also, just know that most of us that are out there doing these things, we've done hundreds of restaurants, hundreds of episodes of TV show. We work with every different type of chef and we can get you to the promised land and, and make it at least work. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be great for TV. It doesn't mean that it's going to come around every day or that you're going to be some star overnight because of the one segment that you were on. But there can be places for you in the food TV world when it comes knocking on your door, even if you're not great on TV. 
Though I will say, we would rather have you be great on TV. And that's just the honest oh, truth. That's correct. But the good thing is also to everybody that is listening. And sorry, Mimi, I think I cut you off. But for everybody's listening right down here, uh, don't forget sometimes you might want to go there for something and that's your idea or you want to pitch your show. But at the end, your show might not be the great idea to put on the Food Network or whatever TV station, but your talent could be great. And then the producer will put you in the right direction to use your talent and to become who they want you to become because we are in your hands guys and uh, that's for sure that you guys are the one that they they you mold us um to whatever we need to be because sometimes we don't know what people want to watch you know especially these days that it's not only tv anymore it is tv it's youtube it's uh, hulu it's uh, everything else netflix so sometimes you know better than anybody else so then whoever is going to be in your hands just let them carry you they just show them use your talent and they'll do the rest and correct me if i'm wrong Thank you so much, Mario. I mean, everyone's just been dropping gold nuggets. Um, thank you, Justin and Hayden. I love that story that you just shared, uh, Chef Rocco. I mean, it's like um, same thing everywhere we go. It's all about the human connections that we make, you know. Um, I see that we have Jacob on stage. And uh, I want to ask Vivian a question. And then I'm going to get to Jacob to ask his question. Then we're going to close the room. Um, Vivian, I... I I just think you're a powerhouse. I mean, your videos, you. everything, it's just like, you know, your attitude and you're just such a strong woman and so funny as well. So um, I know you, uh, since you've been on TV, uh, do you think that your life has changed? In what way? Um, actually, uh, because I was on TV for a very short time, uh, for that particular thing, Master Chef, um, if I was in longer, I think I got more exposure. But I don't think for that particular one, uh, brought me a lot of exposure. But I, I'll be happy on more TV. But I think that experience also made a lot of friends on the show. That was good. The connection, like you said, made on the show adds uh, something. Um, I think you can't really uh, get um social media and uh, the people you meet and the friends you meet uh, the experience you cook on tv yeah that's something you can't get on social media so after that uh i start more making more my own content on um, the social media yeah just doing my own show uh so actually i have a question for the tv producers uh, it's what's what's the food like a food trend on tv it's a little different from social media you produce content what's the trend to say this year what kind of food uh, show ideas be trending for example because there are a lot of uh, competition shows already or travel shows if someone traveled to a city or culture talk about food that kind of show already a uh, very popular competition shows very popular are there any other food show ideas be trending this year or next year in the future yeah that's my question great question i want to know as well uh, i i yeah. will say this from what i am seeing that's out and about um, I think you're going to see um, some more extreme stuff starting to come back now because I think there's a, a lot of saturation on the baking stuff right now. There's a lot of saturation on the, the contestant-based stuff, and the networks already have firm plans in place. So it seems to me like the shows that they're looking for right now tend to be the edgier things, like 
you know, cooking with weed, cooking on the top of a mountain, you know, things that combine genres um, and also things that are not necessarily restaurant based, because I think after COVID, the networks are looking for easier ways to film and safer ways to film that are not necessarily in crowded places, or at least that's what they were talking about a few months ago. So those are the kind of things that are in the pipeline. So I think you're going to start seeing quite a few of those edgier type cooking shows with, you know, a little more of a high concept twist to them in the near future. Uh, Justin, I agree. I agree with some of that. But the one thing that I do think is you're going to see a few more dump and stirs because people have learned to cook while they were at home uh, during COVID. And I've seen more ads for dump and stirs for like Discovery Plus, Magnolia. Um, and it just seems interesting that those are making a comeback. How about cooking uh, with UFOs? And also the high end. <laughs> That's great. Look at uh, look at High on the Hog, the new uh, Netflix series there. Uh, high-end docu-series, I think, is, uh, is, a, is, is something that's uh, going to make its way and uh, become more popular as well. Bradley, I agree. It seems like there's much more high-end food stuff being made than there used to be, and they're letting the stories uh, slow build so you actually get good content over a longer period of time. All right. Now let's bring Jacob. Um, hi, Jacob. What is your question? Hey, thanks for bringing me on stage. Uh, I've been, I'm in London, you know, it's 1am here, uh, just getting ready for bed. I was listening to all of you. Um, I have a question, you know, uh, I'm not a chef, I'm more like the guy that formulates food. So I've been working to try to formulate some non-soya Asian foods for people with allergies and things like that. Uh, I was, I've always toyed with the idea of uh, trying to start a YouTube channel or something like that. But the problem is, you know, I'm not very good with the presentation. So do you have any tips for me? Yes. <laughs> so here's one of the things I will say. Um, when you're doing a YouTube thing, make it personal. Like, give little stories, little anecdotes tell people why you do things the way that you do. Don't just tell people what you do. It's really, and we've said this a million times, but it's really about that why. And if you can touch a nerve, and, and even if your YouTube's only reaching a couple hundred or a couple thousand people, that's good too. Like you don't have to be doing millions for it to be worth it to somebody out there and worth it to yourself. Do things for your soul first, but tell us why it matters to your soul, why you have passion for it. Because if you're just on your YouTube and you're telling me how to make something and giving me a recipe, I can read it from a book. I don't care. I want to see it. I want to see you. And if, and if you can't find a way to present yourself in a compelling fashion, then you do have a problem. And maybe YouTube or television in general isn't for you. But you need to get something out there, something across, whether it be fun or funny or whether it's just heartfelt and there's some passion behind it or whether you have an interesting take on it that serves, you know, serves a specific market or need, let people know that and remind them constantly. And don't be afraid to repeat yourself either. If that's the main story and the main point you're trying to drive home, there should be a theme running through your YouTube. There's gotta be themes to what you're doing because that's the storytelling aspect. And that's what has worked since the dawn of time, since Greek mythology. Tell us a story always. It doesn't matter if you're just adding three tablespoons of salt 
what does the salt do? Why are you adding it? It makes your mouth water. It brings out the other flavors. You're adding acid because why? I want to know why. I want to know why it matters to you. I don't care about just your recipe. If I'm trying to cook it at home, that's one thing, but I can read that in the liner notes. You know, you can put that in the post. If you're doing it on video and people are looking at your face, they want to see your passion. They want to feel your knowledge base and they want to be included in why you're doing it. That's amazing. Thank you. I, I think I, I, finally I've got some direction, you know, because I was focusing all about the food and the technique. And, and, and by the way, I want to come to your restaurant. I will be coming this year. Thank you. Can I uh, add a little suggestion and TV producers, please help me out with that. But anything you do on YouTube, Jacob, be careful because you will not own it. So therefore, if in the future you become a star, they can use your videos or whatever you have on YouTube and turn it whatever they want. And unfortunately, I don't think you're going to get much money out of it at a certain point. And uh, Jacob and Hayden probably have the right answer to this, but that's what I was informed in the past. And uh, Jacob, I think I've spoken in um, one of your rooms before, and we spoke a lot about food. And I know uh, what you're talking about in terms of stylizing your food um, to make it look um, the part on whether it's uh, being filmed or, or photographed. And I've definitely got some connections that can help you out there. And uh, I'll drop you a message sometime. Thank you. I'll, I'll message you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mario. Chef Rahan, I think it's time. Um, would you like to close the room? Yeah, so th I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has joined us today. It's been a, a riveting time um, listening to producers, executives, and, and also those that have starred on the show. So it's given us a real good insight into how these things come together. I've definitely learned a lot. So I want to say thank you to everyone who's, who's, who's made this happen today. Thanks to Chef Mimi for putting on all of the hard work to organize all of this. Definitely the lion's share of the work. And uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who's, who's given their time today. Um, do any of the uh, TV execs have anything to say to, to summarize or any sort of uh, uh, um, information that they want to uh, pass on just before we close the room? I'll, I'll pump my show one more time. Uh, go to my Instagram, first photo, family dinner. If you have a family tradition, family food story, and you get together weekly, bi-weekly, bi-monthly to share your culture with your friends and family, um, submit for our show. We'd love to come uh, put a spotlight on you. Uh, just two things for me real quick. This is Hoban again. One, in case we haven't mentioned it before. Fresh Ride and Crispy premieres June 9th on Netflix. We had an absolute great time making it. Please watch it. If we can get that bad boy in the top 10, we can make hundreds more of them. It's visually beautiful. It was an absolute blast to make. It really kind of helped a lot of people get through some pretty shitty times last year during COVID. And then for anyone else who's listening, um, I actually am just starting a new job on a restaurant makeover show. I can't really talk too much about it yet. Uh, as of right now, we will only be filming in Los Angeles. But if you or any of your friends know of, you know, it, it's not a kitchen nightmares. We're not looking for failing restaurants or struggling restaurants. It's more of just kind of a fun, friendly competition show. But if you do know of anyone uh, who owns their own restaurant in, in the Los Angeles area, uh, please hit me up on IG. And that's it for me. Love the room, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, 
we are casting several, several, several more episodes of Food Paradise. So hit me up if you think that might be a show or a situation that's good for you. And I'm uh, at Justin Harvey 75 on pretty much all the social medias. All right. Thanks. Well, I I'm thank you right. so much to Chef Rocco. I just wanted to say thank you, to Chef Rocco, so much for, for being here. We've just been through so much in the food world together in my entire culinary career on the producer side. Rocco has been there in one form or another uh, through the whole thing. And Chef Mimi and Chef Rohan, thank you so much for all the work that you guys have put into making these rooms so awesome and such a good time for everyone involved. And we appreciate you guys so much. Well, I was, thank you so much. I was going to say the same thing. Thank you, Hayden, Justin, Janelle, Lauren, Matt, Bradley, and John. Um, Thank you, Chef Mimi. And thank you, Chef Rohan. I'm, uh, you know, just always have fun modding the room with you. It's like, oh, and I couldn't be more happy to work with you again. So this is our third time hosting a panel with our favorite food TV executives. And each time we try to spin things slightly different with a different angle. Um, We've had the audience tell their food stories for these TV execs to help them hone in. Um you know, their stories. And now we have these talented food TV executives. Um, I mean, uh, the TV celebrities share their behind the scene experiences. So we want to hear from you, which of these room angles you like better, or perhaps you have another idea you'd like to share with us. So please send your feedback to me, um, DM me, or just even just to let me know how much you've enjoyed listening to the show. We want to hear from you. Next week's show is going to be another epic show um, with a major food TV celebrity. He's more than a celebrity chef. Uh, He's an Emmy and four-time James Beard Award-winning TV legend, Andrew Zimmerns. Yes, Andrew Zimmerns will be right here next Tuesday, same time at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for an exclusive interview hosted by Chef Rahan and I. And there will be more epic rooms to come. So we hope that um, you tap on the greenhouse above. Uh, Food is religion to follow. And please give all of these moderators a follow as well. Thank you again for being here. And we'll see you again next Tuesday. So now let's close the room properly. We need everyone on stage to unmute your mic. And we'll count backward. One, two, three. Three to one. <laughs> thank you again, everybody. Thank, thank you. you again. Thank, thank you. Ciao a tutti. Arrivederci. Ciao. Thank you, Mario. Three, ciao, ciao, ragazzi. Two, two, two one. Food is religion. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.